0: Good morning. I want to return again to 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 13 through 16. Yes, the third week in a row in the same passage. The idea I want to look at today is hope, holiness, and the beauty of God. Now I know what some of you are thinking if you've been here all three of these weeks. The same passage again aren't you belaboring the point and kind of pushing it here no i do not believe we can exhaust the glories of god's grace in christ and the gospel in one sermon or three if we took this passage and I preach this passage every Sunday for the rest of my life we would not plumb the depths of God's grace in Christ and in the gospel we who know Christ will spend our lives contemplating the beauty of God and the glories of the gospel we are captivated by beauty we are people that get conditioned to Think of beauty in only certain terms, but we are captivated by beauty. We, we see beauty all around us. Many years ago, I was in Nepal and I flew by Mount Everest, saw it out an airplane window, and then one day I spent some time walking just the mere foothills of Mount Everest, and it was breathtaking. Pictures don't do it justice. You may have stood at the the edge of the Grand Canyon and just seen its sweeping vastness and and the beauty that God has put into that place. You may have held a, a tiny microscopic flower in your hand and looked at its intricate beauty and the colors and the shapes that God Put into that small, small package. God makes beautiful things because He is beautiful, like a bride on her wedding day. And praise God, we have a lot of, a lot of those around here. A lot of weddings. I remember my wife Angela on our wedding day, June first, nineteen ninety-one. I remember standing at the First Baptist Church of Downey. The place was filled. I was a children's pastor at that point, and this was a big church, and 900-some seats were packed out, three, three, uh, two balconies. And as the door opened and Angela came walking down the aisle, I was awestruck by her beauty. And I was also terrified. I thought, I don't want to mess this up. She had agreed to marry me, and so there she is walking down the aisle, and here I am, captivated but also terrified, an abject fear of messing it up. My wife is a beautiful reflection of God's beauty. 23 years down the road, she's more beautiful than the day we were married. Beautiful things reflect God's beauty, it's like a newborn baby. And we've had many of them born recently. Bring the babies on more and more. It's great. I remember when our five babies were born, I was a mixture of emotions. I was awestruck. And cutting squishy umbilical cords wasn't my favorite thing to do in the world, but I was awestruck by how God has designed all this. But I was also in terror that I was now responsible for them And I didn't want to break Them As I held them I was always afraid of the soft spot on the top of the head And when's that thing gonna close up But I was most concerned that That I would not steer them in the wrong direction Beautiful things are a reflection of God's beauty and what i want you to see today is that that souls that are captivated by god's beauty do not stay the same that souls that are captivated by the beauty of god are changed they're changed it's the beauty of god that i want to call your attention to today the beautiful holiness of God that causes you to stand back in abject wonder and awe at his magnificence the beauty of God that comforts your soul and thrills your heart if you're a believer you know what I mean the beauty of God that inspires a lifelong response of obedient worship you could ask the question why So, why again are we looking at the same passage of Scripture for the third week in a row? All I can tell you is just because. Because God has gripped my soul with an an amazement at His beauty, and I'm compelled to take you along with me. There's something you should know as we look once again through the same passage of Scripture we're not going through it to pick up the spare pieces. Oh, we missed a few things here and there over the last two weeks, so we'll just kind of play cleanup here. Oh, no. We're not going to go glean just the leftovers of what we can find there in the field. What I want to do is take you back to point out some beauty you may have missed. It's like we're explorers going deeper into the mountain to find beautiful treasures. Like adventurers exploring magnificent uncharted territory. Like archaeologists digging deeper and deeper into the mysteries. They unearth hidden treasures. I want to turn your attention on the beauty of God. The glories of the gospel. I think it's what the songwriter was seeking when penning these words. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see? There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I want to turn your attention to the beauty of God. So it's vacation season It's vacation season I didn't have to tell you that did I Many people are on vacation You may have just returned You may be planning to go And maybe it wasn't all it was cracked up to be You had this beautiful brochure And you thought it was going to be great But you got in a big fight with your family members And you couldn't enjoy the beautiful place Or maybe the place was run down And decrepit and didn't match up To the pictures I want you to take a vacation today Not from your problems I want you to take a vacation From yourself For the next few minutes If you're anything like me You're thinking a lot about yourself What do people think about me What am I going to do How am I going to figure this out How am I going to make this thing work out How am I going to weather that storm How am I going to meet that need I want to ask you today To agree with me That you would try at least try to take a vacation from yourself in the next 30, 40 minutes or so. I didn't ask the other two hours this, but by a show of hands, this is not a forced thing, but if you're willing to take a vacation, to try to take a vacation from yourself for the next 30 to 40 minutes, just let me see your hands. Okay, so you're with me, we're gonna go. What I'm asking you to do is, take paw- is to hit pause for a, for a moment. I want you to bask with me. I want you to gaze upon what is true beauty, what is truly beautiful. Let me ask you a question. Have you you ever had this happen before? Something that you originally thought of or viewed as utilitarian, the means to an end became beautiful to you. Maybe it was water. Maybe it was food. You were a famished hiker and you needed something. I remember being in Indonesia once in New Guinea and I was on a 10-hour trek and I was the only non-native in the group. I was wearing shoes and I was slipping all over the place and I had a can of beans with me. I really didn't prepare for this day. Didn't bring enough water. Didn't bring enough food. I remember at one point just stopping and being exhausted halfway through Probably four to five hours in And I took my jackknife and opened this can of beans And just ate it cold And they were the, they were the best beans I ever had A few hours later I got to a spot on the trail And I couldn't go another step So I laid down next to a hut And I slept Probably for two hours When I woke up They handed me a little bunch of bananas That I could fit in the palm of my hand Little tiny orange bananas. Best bananas I ever had. You go, oh, bananas, you can take them or leave them. Not those. Those were life for me. Some of us treat God as a means to an end. I want you to see today that he is the goal. I want to reintroduce you to God today. Who is absolutely, positively independently, stunningly beautiful. Now, most likely, this hits you at an inopportune time. You're like, I just was coming to church. Take it easy, will you? I had no time to prepare. I had no time to psych myself up. And by the way, I'm in a lousy frame of mind. Got an argument on the way to church. We put the smiley face on, but on the inside... I am angry. So maybe everything hasn't gone your way this week or this month or this decade. Who's counting? Maybe you are in a bona fide crisis. Or maybe, just maybe, you are in a big pity party. I don't know. Only God knows. But here's what I do know. God wants to renew your mind today by His Spirit through his word and with that in mind open your bibles please to first peter chapter one and when you find that i want to ask you to stand with me and i'm going to read verses 13 through 16 the same verses we've read the last three weeks if you're memorizing this with us these verses are not just same oh same wow the same thing again but words that have gotten deep down into your heart and soul and words that are life to you First Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children... Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Lord God, I pray that by your Spirit... You would have your way in our hearts today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. In the past two weeks, I have stated to you what is true that if you are a Christian, you are holy. It's a positional thing, it is definitive if you are a christian you are holy and god is growing you into your true identity it is progressive as well we've been talking about sanctification both positional and progressive the idea is that we who have been born again to a living hope through faith in the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ are called to live holy lives as we worship jesus That every true follower of Jesus is called to respond to the free gift of salvation that they have received by living lives marked by hope and holiness that we would in our thoughts and our words and our actions seek to please God. If you're a believer, you're going to say to that, yes, 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 that's what I want. But I want to go into fuller detail about what is even truer. The truest truth the loftiest goal, the the only valid object of all of our affections and longings and desires. And they're not our beautiful expressions of praise to God, which are beautiful to God. God inhabits the praises of his people. And it is not the beautiful things that he has done and is doing. It is the beauty of who God is in and of himself. Beauty. Beauty. Look at verse 15 with me again. Verse 15, we've looked at this a lot. As he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Be holy as as he is. How is he holy? When we say that God is holy, we say that he is holy. Perfectly separated from sin freedom from all evil the biblical holiness is nothing less than conformity to the character of God the first time in the Bible that the word holy is used is in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 3 we read God blessed the seventh day and made it holy he consecrated it He separated it he set it apart he made it unique the second time you see the word holy in the bible it's in exodus chapter 13 and god says consecrate to me all the firstborn whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of israel both man and beast is mine consecrate is the same word from genesis chapter 2 holy that which is set apart to god is holy God himself is set apart from all others. Exodus 15, 11 says, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? We see here that God is in a class all by himself, peerless. He is other than we are. He is called the Holy One of Israel. He is Having a holy name, he dwells in a holy place. His spirit is holy. He does holy works. He gives holy promises. And that everything he does is for the sake of his holy name. Psalm 80, 89, verse 35 says that God swears by his holiness. Why does he do that? Because that is the full expression of himself, his own holiness. And what do we see this holy God doing? But setting apart for himself various people and places and things. Moses, it was said, was standing on holy ground. God chose Israel to be a holy nation. The garments of Aaron the priest were holy garments. The priest would make holy sacrifices on a holy altar in a holy place. The Ark of the Testimony was kept in the most holy place. Even the furniture and the utensils were holy. Jerusalem was known as the holy city because the temple of God was there. What we see is that everything that was set apart for God's special use, anything set apart for his special use, is holy. When we say that God is holy, we mean he is morally perfect. Here we are, morally imperfect people, declaring what we see in the Bible. We didn't make it up ourselves. God declares it to us He reveals it to us that God is morally perfect excellence in His nature integrity of justice purity of wisdom fully morally perfect 17th century theologian Stephen Charnock said this of God's holiness as His power is the strength of His perfections so His holiness is the beauty of them As his power is the strength of his perfections, so his holiness is the beauty of his perfections. Holiness is not merely one of many attributes of God, it is the sum of all his attributes. Holiness, the sum of all of God's attributes. All of his perfections are holy perfections. God's holiness, his perfection, and his beauty are related. Wayne Grudem in his systematic theology says this about God's beauty. God's beauty is his attribute where he is the sum of all desirable qualities. God is the sum of all desirable qualities. He is beautiful. When you say God is perfect, you say that he does not lack anything that would be desirable for him. That he completely possesses all excellent qualities and lacks no part of any quality that would be desirable for him beauty is is, is another way of saying the same thing but just in in the positive God actually does possess all desirable qualities God in and of himself dependent on no one possesses in himself all desirable qualities he is beautiful Perfection, again, means that he does not lack anything desirable. Beauty means he has everything desirable. It's the same truth. We're affirming the same truth. What does it teach us? What does it tell us? What does it remind us of? What it reminds us of is that all of our good and righteous desires, if we have any good or righteous desire, and we all know we have the battle of the conflicting desires going on in our hearts, any desire that we have that is good and righteous all the desires that should be in us find their ultimate source and fulfillment in God himself and no one else period so when Paul says in Philippians 4 8 whatever is praiseworthy excellent right true pure lovely admirable and noble Think on these things. He is referring to God himself. He is saying that you need to be thinking about God and everything that's closely associated with him. God is beautiful. His splendor is amazing. One writer calls it the fearful symmetry of infinitely flawless character. A.W. Tozier said this, God's holiness is not simply the best we know infinitely better. We know nothing like the divine holiness. It stands apart, unique, unapproachable, incomprehensible, and unattainable. The natural man is blind to it. He may fear God's power and admire his wisdom, but his holiness he cannot even imagine. god is beautiful in holiness i think what peter is doing here is he is saying that based upon everything that god has done in christ and and verses 1 through 12 talk about what god has done for us in christ chose us elected us foreknew us is sanctifying us caused us to be born again to a living hope is multiplying grace and peace to us Peter is shining the spotlight on God. He is saying he is holy. We miss it because we think he's he's a means to an end. We think it's it's all about us doing the right things so that things will work out okay for us in our lives. When God is the end, he is the goal. His beauty is the object of our affections. It's like Peter is pulling back layer after layer and he's, he's pulling the curtains back into the Holy of Holies. Behold our God. Psalmist refers to God's beauty. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that what I will seek after What would you ask God if you could ask him for anything? God, I I, I want this one thing and if you give me this one thing, my life will be complete. What's what's your one thing? The psalmist's one thing. One thing I have asked of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord, to, to gaze upon his beauty and inquire in his temple to to meditate on that beauty in his temple. What's the one thing you would ask for from God? That would make your life complete. What's your one thing? The psalmist says, My one thing is that I would behold the beauty of God. Psalm 73, 25, very similar idea. Whom have I in heaven but you? There's nothing upon earth that I desire beside you. Those words sound foreign to us. Nothing on earth that I desire besides God? We think I'll take God and all these other things. Psalm 48. Says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In the city of our God, the holy mountain, his holy mountain, beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth, Mount Zion, the city of the great king. Psalm 50, verse 1. The mighty one, God, the Lord, has spoken and summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shown forth. Psalm 96. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. All the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty in his sanctuary. See, we have, we have bought into shallow ideas of beauty to the point that we can even read about God's beauty and not be moved. Strength and beauty are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory of His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before Him all the earth. Verse 15 says, As He who called you is holy i think we need to stop right there i mean dare we go on at this point dare we pass by without contemplating this beautiful truth i'm compelled that we must sit and bask in his beauty i've asked alex to sing a song i'm gonna go sit down and enjoy the song i've had this song in my head all week so i said hey let's sing this song middle of the sermon i know you're listening to the sermon but let's listen to this song and think about the beauty of god
1: I see your power in the moonlit night, where planets are in motion and galaxies upright. We are amazed in the light of the stars, it's all proclaiming who you are. You're beautiful. Just a memory, and tears are no more. We'll enter in as the wedding bells ring. Your bride will come together and sing your beautiful. Lord.
0: Who are captivated by God's beauty are changed by God's Spirit through His Word. Psalm 19 says, The heavens are declaring the glory of God. When you look up in the sky, do you say, Wow, cool stars? Or, God, you're beautiful. You made these things and they're reflecting your beauty. Just this week, I was in the garage with my 13-year-old Savannah and she walked out into the driveway it was in the evening time and she just looks up and's is like oh, look at these stars and we just laid there in the driveway just for a while enjoying God's handiwork if you're anything like me you can't even get through a song without thinking about yourself we made a little pact, and I knew I would break it. To take a vacation for myself is a really is a really tough thing to do. We all have these movies or narratives or stories or past and future going on in our minds all the time. Uh, since this sermon started, you've thought about all sorts of things. Probably even in the middle of that song, you've started thinking... What's going on this afternoon? How am I going to figure out that problem? How am I going to get this in order? How am I going to kind of maneuver this one? And how am I going to make it? Sometimes I think that um, we're so demanding of God. We want God to be just what we want Him to be. And we we don't really want to hear about who he truly is. We want to go with what we imagine him to be. Well you get into the Word of God and you see how how beautiful God is. It's like one thing after another after another and it doesn't end. Alex, come here for a second. Get up here, you gotta get up here. I've had a volunteer all three services you're the closest one to me. You do not... I brought a box. It's a beautiful box. You do not keep this box. It's Savannah's box. She will tackle you if you try to keep it, okay? So this is only for yours to help with. We're clear, right? We're clear, okay. So I've got this beautiful box, and I open this box, and I'm thinking, ooh, what's inside? And it's another box. It's a beautiful box. And, and I open it up, and it's like, ooh, look at that. What's inside? Oh, another box, and, and and let's see what's in here. And ooh, look what's another box. And, and then and another box. And more and more and more boxes. Have fun with those. <laughs> they go to Savannah after she's right over there. So don't don't try to run away from them with them. God's is a multiplied beauty. It is exponential. It is unfathomable. It. It's without end. And God's word is full of the manifold beauty of God. It calls us to wonder and to be in awe and, and to stand back and adore. I don't know if it's fair to say or not, but I, I'm going to say it. I, I think ground has been lost. And we cannot gain it all back in a day, but you can start a new practice in your life of being fixated first and foremost on God and who He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The beauty of who He is. And then the beauty of what He did. And then your expression of beautiful praise to Him. We focus on our beautiful praise, we're in love with our beautiful praise. Over the past couple weeks, I have pointed out to you five characteristics of hope-inspired holy living. First, readiness. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at, at the revelation of Jesus. Repentance. Repentance. As obedient children, don't be conformed any longer to the lusts that were yours in your ignorance. Don't go back to your old identity. You have a new identity in Christ. Responsibility. Some people don't like this, but uh, sanctification is a progressive work of God and man. Salvation is all of God. Justification, all of God. We respond by faith, but sanctification. You've got a part. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who is at work in you to d- will and do his good pleasure. So take your responsibility seriously. God will not do your part, you can't do his. And reverence, awe of God as you live, and then reliance. You cannot self-sanctify. If anything of any lasting value happens in and through our lives and in our community, it will be because God did it. But Today I want to point out God's beauty. And I want to give you five more things, but I, I can think of five things as I'm thinking through this passage, five ways that you can appreciate God's beauty. And there, it's all, if, if you say, I want to gaze upon the beauty of God, I want to, I want to be like the Holy One, I want, to, I want to focus on the Holy One. I want Jesus to come to have first place in everything. My affections and my thoughts and my words and my actions. Then these things will be a part of the picture. And the first three are focused on our experience of God, who He is. And the last two on our active response to who He is. Like I said l- about the other things, they're interrelated, they're dependent to, to each other, and, and they're like beautiful facets of the same diamond. And I want to frame these in, in a way that maybe you can latch on to. You know there's five senses that are commonly identified. Sight, and hearing, and taste, and smell, and touch. So I want to talk about how the beauty of God is experienced through five spiritual senses. That believers would be all wrapped up in these things. Okay? So the first thing is greatness. Greatness. Seeing God's greatness. Peter says, Prepare your minds for action, be sober spirit, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you. When? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. When, when Jesus appears, when every eye will behold Him, when He returns. Peter had already said, look, your faith is being tested. Your faith is going to be tested to see if it's genuine. And, and if it is genuine, it's more precious than gold that perishes. And it's going to be found to result in praise and honor and glory. When? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is revealed. When Jesus returns. He says, you have not seen him. He's talking about the eyes. You've not laid physical eyes on him. But you love him. You love him with your heart. You love him with your soul. And he says, though you do not now see him, you don't see him right now, you believe in him. It's the idea of looking to Jesus. Jesus. In Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, you don't see him with your eyes, you believe him with your heart. You believe the word of God. And you rejoice, it says, with joy that is inexpressible, beyond words. And you're filled with glory, you're filled with the glory of God. You've got to see God's greatness. Second Corinthians says, if our gospel is veiled, if it's hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. They can see with their eyes, but their spiritual heart is darkened. They cannot see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God seen in the face of Christ. Why is it that when we come to faith in Christ, we we can sing freely, I was blind, but now I see. 1 John chapter 3 says, Beloved, writing to believers, now we are children of God children of God belong to him and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be we know that when he appears we will be like him because we will see him just as he is and everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself as he is pure be holy as I am holy you see the greatness of God. You see who God is with spiritual sight. You gaze and behold the eyes of your heart are enlightened. People will argue with you about beauty. They will tell you that beauty is deceptive because they're thinking only of only of shallow human ideas of beauty and they will argue and say beauty is deceptive it is subjective they will even say it isn't necessary it's useless but God's beauty reflects his glory his greatness who he is beautiful in the 5th century Augustine of Hippo contemplated The many beautiful things he sees in nature. And he says, who made these beautiful, changeable things if not one who is beautiful and unchangeable? You go back to Psalm 27, verse 4. What's that one thing you'd ask God for? What's that one thing that will make your life alright? Worth living. Complete. The Westminster Confession begins like this The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. If I'm honest, I must admit that my greatest desire is not always to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. If most of us were completely candid, and the Bible tells us that everything is open and laid bare to the eyes of Him with whom we have to do, so we should be honest. If most of us were candid, we would we would agree that our desires land somewhere south of heaven, sometimes far south of heaven. And our greatest desires often have to do with creating some kind of heaven on earth. And we think about cars and kitchens and kids and coffee and conflict and other things of life. And we're demanding of God. We say give me children or I die. We're selfish, we're self-gratifying, we're self-seeking, we're self-serving, and we're not basking in the beauty of God. Do you like goodie baskets? I'm wondering, do you, you like goodie baskets? Yeah, you like them, don't you? I love goodie baskets. Kids, you go to a birthday party, and you're, you bring a gift, but what you're really waiting for is the goodie basket. You're hoping that you get more in the goodie basket than you gave, You go to a wedding and and you bring a gift But then you're hoping at the table There's some sort of goodie basket Recently I went to a wedding They had a candy bar thing Where you could like stuff your bag Full of candy I think sometimes We live as if we're trying to fit As many goodies in our goodie basket As we can here on earth We try to get God's promises in our own way And what do we do? We celebrate rust. We celebrate what is rusting and decaying, perishable things, and we need a change in our spiritual vision. That's why I think Paul, when he was praying for his brothers and sisters in Christ, it's recorded in Ephesians chapter 1 and 3, he prays that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened, that they would see the glory of God. They would see the truth you first and foremost have to see God's greatness and secondly gospel you gotta hear the gospel hearing the gospel Peter says prepare your minds for action be sober minded set your hope fully on the grace why? therefore because of what God did as recorded in verses 1-12 through electing and foreknowing and causing to be born again hearing the gospel they heard the gospel they believed the gospel he says you love him you believe in him you rejoice in him Psalm 19 talks about the glory of God seen in, in God's creation but it goes on to talk about the glory of God and what the word of God does and how the word of God affects your soul and it converts your soul and it makes you wise and it rejoices your heart and it enlightens the eyes what God says is important hearing comes by faith excuse me faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ Jesus said he who has ears let him hear people will tell you beauty is only skin deep we who know the one true God the triune know otherwise we bask in the beauty that others would call abject ugliness those who blaspheme the fair name by which we are called don't know the loveliness of God. Second Corinthians says, having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech. We're not like Moses, who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened. For until this very day at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it's removed in Christ. But to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Those who are basking in the glory and the beauty of God are changed. You see the beauty of God in the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10 says, and hearing by the word of Christ. The third thing is goodness. Taste God's goodness. See God's greatness and hear God's gospel, but taste God's goodness. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus should be the sweetest name you know. Sweetest name you know taste and see that the Lord is good. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, people will say, well, man can be good without God. Jesus, when he was speaking of his deity, said, why do you call me good? Only God is good. You call me good, you call me God. God is good. Taste and see. You will see with the eyes of your heart. You'll hear the gospel and and. And you will taste that God is good when you, when you look intently into the Word of God. Romans 11 says that for, from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Taste and see that God is good. The fourth thing is grace. Spreading God's grace. This is, this is the smell. This is the aroma. Don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Be holy in all your conduct. It's the idea of what God is doing through you as you, as you yield to Him. Has God taken you from the stench of sin to the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him? The Bible says that God manifests the sweet aroma of the knowledge of Him through us in every place we go as believers. My favorite smell that permeates is garlic. You know that about me. I love the smell of garlic. I love driving through Gilroy with the windows down. There's a restaurant we, we have liked to go to In Idlewild called Aroma And they bring this big bowl Full of this awesome olive oil And the bowl of olive oil Is chock full of crushed fresh raw garlic Oh my goodness oh, Beautiful and, and I eat a lot of it And so the next day you can smell my arm And it smells like garlic Whole house smells like garlic it's awesome it's easy to think of beauty in terms of looks God speaks of an inner beauty the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit being more beautiful than outward beauty Abraham Lincoln was ugly in 1862 here's what an English magazine said of him to say he is ugly is nothing to add that his figure is grotesque is to convey no adequate impression. They didn't like him. But he is one of our most beloved presidents. We don't care what he looks like. That's what he did. It counts. Jesus is our beloved Savior. Jesus is beautiful. To call him beautiful is a very accurate representation. Words don't do him justice. But it has nothing to do with his looks. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said of Jesus. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. It's who Jesus is and what he did at the cross that counts. It's the fact that he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. And it's the fact that he will soon return. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Romans ten fifteen: How will they preach unless they're sent? Well, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good, of good things. 2 Corinthians 4, having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound to the glory of God. Spread the grace of God. The last thing the last thing is gratitude living in gratitude because of our beautiful God put your hope fully on the grace be obedient children be holy in all your conduct you shall be holy, you will be holy for I am holy, God says it's that touch of a life that adorns the doctrine of God our Savior in everything as Titus 2.10 says it's Romans saying, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regards to its lusts. Stop planning out how you're going to sin. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Change your mind about sin. Resist it more. Put on Jesus. Don't plan out how you're going to gratify your, your desires. You know, by the way, the, the goal is never to stop sinning. Well, I just want to stop sinning. No, the goal is actively replace sinning with righteousness. As we are constantly and consciously motivated by the gospel. Goodness of God. From a grateful heart. You yield to Jesus and act in ways that are pleasing to him. You will live a grateful life. You will give gratefully. And I don't mean money, first and foremost. Sure, money will come along. But I mean your life. So many Christians hide from other Christians. They don't want to expose who they are. They don't want to share what's on their heart. God wants you to give. Bless. You reflect God's beauty in your life when you act in ways that are pleasing to Him. You bless others. That's how you adorn. That's how you put on the doctrine of God our Savior in everything. I want you to consider something as we close. I want you to consider something. Remember how we said we're going to take a vacation from ourselves for a while? Remember that? I want you to consider something that you should rejoice in. You should rejoice in this fact that the entire church of Jesus Christ is being sanctified. We're so excited about our own sanctification, or we're so burdened by our own lack of sanctification, or we're so worried about ourselves. Did you catch in the song that Alex sung that when, when Jesus comes, the bride will call him beautiful? But I want you to call Christ's bride beautiful. Some of you don't like the church. And you're in it. Rejoice. That your brothers and sisters are being sanctified. Rejoice when you see God's beauty in your brothers and sisters in Christ. It is so easy to get so caught up with being picky about other people, critiquing them, not liking them, not opening up ourselves to them. Rejoice that you see God's beauty in your brothers and sisters in Christ. As of this Tuesday, I will have pastored this church for the past eight years. Best eight years of my life. And the most trying, stretching, and growing years. There are times that I am very frustrated with myself and my lack of growth, thinking I'm actually holding this church back. And there are times that I look across our congregation and I'm frustrated by the lack of growth I see. But what I am so thankful for is that this is not a building, but a group of people that we are honestly and humbly living life together in Christ and saying, God is great. God is great. He is faithful. He will finish the work that He started in us. Whether you're a brand new believer, whether you've been a believer for 60 years, gratitude. My greatest desire is to love the Lord Jesus Christ more and more to long for his return to live for his glory if you put it in the terms of the words I've used today I want to bask in God's beauty and share his great gospel goodness graciously with a grateful heart the worship team's going to come up we're going to sing one song we didn't get to this song the last two hours but I want us to sing Behold Our God it's focused on Jesus the incarnate holiness the eminent holiness of god think about it everything about jesus was fragranced with the aroma of the beauty of holiness jesus our high priest innocent unstained separated from sinners exalted in the heavens he said jesus shows us what we were made for the beauty of his moral flawlessness is irresistibly attractive and it resonates in our souls bask in his beauty behold our God Lord God thank you that you are the anchor you are our hope and our holiness and any beauty that exists and we praise you praise you Lord we want to long for more of you in our souls resting in the knowledge that your love has been revealed at the cross of Christ And that your beauty is the beauty of holiness. Captivate our souls, Lord, with your beauty. And change us. In Christ's name. Amen.